Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience. My name is Maurice Selby. My name is Reed. And I'm Anastasia. And you're listening to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM New York, the voice of Harlem, and the Health in Harlem podcast featured on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts. We're everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. And we just want to welcome you back to the program. We took a little hiatus, but we are getting back on track, ladies and gentlemen, and a very, very important topic um, as we reconvene finally. But uh, you guys look good, man. Good to see you guys on here. So glad to be back. And uh, just briefly, before we get into the conversation, how have you been? I've been pretty good. Yeah. Just kind of started working another job. I started another job like a little over a month ago. So when that happened, just kind of like settled into the routine and the past like month and a half has passed by pretty quick for me. Um, but loving the new spring weather. Glad Word. that the, uh, the witch hazel, if you're in New York right now, the witch hazel has already bloomed. The forsythia is, is blooming. It's, oh, nice. it's a gorgeous time. That's what's up, man. Same here in Georgia. Um, really nice weather. I mean, actually the, today rain, but uh, last few days have been kind of rainy, but yeah, man, we're getting into the 60s, 70s and, you know, nice and, and bright and sunny out um, the past couple of weeks. So that has been really just great. And um, actually just went on vacation. I'm not bragging, ladies and gentlemen, it's just something that I did. And I'm actually proud that like I, I tuned out pretty well, I think. Um, and that's something that is very uncharacteristic of myself as far as like email and all of that. I think it was a healthy thing. But also in this program later, we'll also talk about what probably was not the healthiest thing. Um, and it definitely ties into what we're going to get into. What about you, Anastasia? I want to go on vacation. <laughs> um, no, I've just been doing the usual. I've been uh, working and um, I had a conversation, speaking of what Reed said about the sun, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and she's like, yeah, we're just houseplants with complex emotions. And I'm like, you know what? Yo. You're right. That sun is comes actually... out suddenly i'm happy <laughs> yo um, that is so dope that is so true i think and that perfectly i think that's a great segue into just what we're going to get into ladies and gentlemen i'm going to start with a study right this is a case study and uh we can go back flashback to 1963 december just weeks following the assassination of president john f kennedy Two gentlemen, Bruce McAllister and his friend Randy Gardner, were brainstorming a science experiment. No, ladies and gentlemen, these were not researchers right at a major research institution. They were high school students 
in the midst of the Cold War with the Soviet Union, the space race in full swing, rather than focusing on some technological leaps and bounds, they decided to push the limits of the human mind and body. And they actually (laughs) went to set the world record. That was their goal, to set the world record for staying awake, which at that time was just under 11 days of continuous wakefulness. Initially, the teens wanted to examine the effect of sleep deprivation, right, on paranormal abilities, which I would imagine were perceived abilities. <laughs> um, if you're up <laughs> enough, tired enough, I've definitely felt like hallucinations, maybe. Or hallucinating, right? <laughs> uh, seeing things, hearing things. Anyway, uh, they decided, right, they, they couldn't do that <laughs> for various uh, understandable reasons. And they actually settled on looking at the effects of sleep deprivation on cognitive abilities and also just activities like playing basketball. And with the flip of a coin, Randy lost. He had ended up being the subject. Bruce would be the one to observe and record uh, Randy as he went sleepless, sleepless each day and night. And by the third day, he realized, look, I can't do this, right? Because he was staying up to observe uh, Randy. So they actually brought in another gentleman, Joe Marciano. And soon, believe it or not, this caught wind in the media, became like a national sensation. People sort of following this improvised experiment. Um, One was actually a researcher from Stanford, William DeMent, who went on to become a professor emeritus um, at Stanford, right, focusing or being an expert in sleep medicine. And uh, yeah, um, up to that point, no one really knew the effects of profound sleep deprivation on human body and uh, this was actually quote from a bbc interview in which dr dement said quote i was probably the only person on the planet at the time who actually had done sleep research randy's parents were very worried that this might be something that would be really harmful to him because the question was still unresolved on whether or not if you go without sleep long enough you will die And up to that point, and even actually to this day, research involving animals um, in which they're deprived of sleep. And there's one study uh, that was done with cats, actually, in which they were kept awake for 15 days and they all died very shortly after that. Um, And so no one knew at this point, right, with these (laughs) young men doing this experiment, um, they actually, you know, talked about some funny things. Like one thing that uh, really kept them going was playing basketball. (laughs) That was the... um, that regardless of how long it had been they seemed to be able to do that well if anything at one point they were saying that um uh randy gardner actually seemed to perform better playing basketball um even in those later days of being sleep deprived i don't know how um but then again man you know thinking about it running for the train or something or the bus i don't care how tired i am in new york city i can still (laughs) do it um but yeah they did this and you know, at the end, they actually had a number of press conferences, even like right outside the boys' homes. And what do you think happened? I think he was fine. That's my guess. He slept for maybe like two days straight afterwards, and then he woke up and he was like, cool, I'm feeling good. It was really funny. I'm reading about it. He was like, it's like mind over body and something like that. And I was just like, you would say that after that. That's what he said. He's so corny. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> Maybe it wasn't corny in, in 1964, but um, yeah, man, nothing. I mean, nothing happened. He said, you know, initially after they, he slept for like 14 hours straight. At one point he woke up because he had to use the bathroom during that <laughs> during that first, <laughs> you know, nice long sleep after being awake for 11 days, man. 11 days. He did set the world record. Um, and then 
<laughs> you know, the interesting thing is that um, Dr. D. Ment in uh, this article in the BBC actually said that, you know, the, the most profound thing was that, you know, after all of this, he woke back up after the weekend and went to high school and that was it. Um, so not much happened. I don't know, man. Just thinking about sleep and even in my days as a parent, um, as a former resident physician, you know, there are some times where I was pretty sleep deprived. I think the most I went was probably in excess of pushing that like 40, 44, 45 hour sort of uh, point with no sleep. And I don't know. I felt like I was going to die. What's the what's the most you did, Anastasia? It looked uh, like you topped me. Uh, I had like twelve hours. That's the most you've done. Yeah, like it was really bad. It was it was it was uh, during a finals week, and I was taking twenty credits of classes that uh, mm-hmm. semester, and a lot of them were science classes. So you can imagine that like a finals test being all packed in one week would be require a lot of attention and work um i'm never doing it again um definitely had some interesting experiences at the last mark um but yeah no don't do that ever <laughs> in your life <laughs> um but yeah no it's uh i started having auditory hallucinations i think that's what they're called really like yeah. what was it that you heard i'm just curious like um or think you heard <laughs> in like so I know I think I heard it it's because it was two o'clock in the morning. So I know it definitely wasn't something that was actually going on. It was like muffled screaming, like two people arguing, but I couldn't make out what they were saying, but I could hear them like a, they were far away, but still mm-hmm. like I could hear vo- like some sort of voices. Okay. Um, and that's when I was like, I need to sleep. <laughs> and <laughs> Maybe this was like that tapping into that pattern. Maybe they were right. Uh, Bruce McAllister and Randy Gardner. You're like uh, enhancing your paranormal sensation. No, I'm joking. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know what yeah, it was. That is wild. What about you, Reed? Oh, I'm weak. I love my sleep. I mean, I've done like an all-nighter before, but not much more. And It was probably like an all-nighter for like a 10 a.m. test. And then right yeah. after that test, I was in bed. You knocked so, out. Yeah, you look I like a healthy. You always like come on and and very, you know energetic i don't i don't think i've ever seen you with like baggy eyes and stuff not that i've seen that with you anastasia <laughs> anastasia is beautiful oh no um, i look like a parent you're all beautiful okay. and health and harm but you do see my bags and all that anyway i guess my my camera's not wow. as high quality as i thought i thought uh <laughs> yo, you're a character <laughs> anyway you know i really i'm surprised man maybe i thought i wasn't that much of an outlier um in you know sleep deprivation no, or at like least it. the records from my personal work. but anyway Long story short, um, I think really what it really comes down to is why do we even do that, right? In, in terms of the amount of time, and I've read um, nothing, nothing I could say in stone, but I've definitely read some literature. It depresses me whenever I bring this up, right? The amount of time that we spend sleeping in our entire lifetime. I'm like, damn, that's a lot of time that I'm just like not doing anything, um, including enjoying life, right? For what it's worth. Um, so yeah, I, I don't like that statistic, but it's a Ladies and gentlemen, if you look it up, it's a pretty impressive amount of time, like the fraction of life that we have <laughs> on this earth. There is a, a large portion of it devoted to sleep. Um, yeah. So with that said, right, um, I don't know. Why, why do we do this? Why? You know, that's a great question. And science still doesn't really have a full answer. 
One thing that we do know is that you do require larger amounts of sleep when you were younger, and that amount decreases the older you get. Um, but why is that? Is it because people's brains are developing? Is it necessary for neuroplasticity? We're not entirely sure. Um, one of the reasons that scientists believe we need sleep is for neuroplasticity, like I said. Um, so like essentially the ability for your brain to form new connections, make new memories, adapt to things going on in your life, um, learn new things, sort of uh, go through the, the motions of your previous day and sort of incorporate that into your memory. Um, another reason is that scientists believe it could be for maintenance of your central nervous system. Uh, so like throughout the day, waste products build up in your brain or in your, in your spinal cord or whatever. Um, and then during the night, then that's a time where uh, you're, it's more efficient. So then, you know, they remove those toxins from your brain tissue. Uh, another thought is physical repair um, of the body. So there's evidence that sleep um, is critically important for muscle repair and growth with, with increased protein synthesis and growth hormone relief release. Um, I feel like that's something I could kind of say I've, I've experienced before. Uh, you know, when you like go to the gym and you work out really hard. It's the first time in a while. And that night you don't get, you only get like a couple hours of sleep. That's me. You're not sore for some reason. You're like, that's kind of weird. I worked out really hard. It's the first time in a while. I thought I was going to be really sore today. But then it's the next night when you get that full eight hours of sleep, you wake up that next morning and you're like, oh, I'm really sore. Mm, that's that's weird. It. That that was delayed by a day. I've had that experience before. Mm. Um, Another uh, thing that sleep could do for you is immune function, um, where they found that loss of sleep can result in decreased immunity and increased likelihood of becoming ill from infectious organisms. Now, I've definitely had that experience countless times where like after and it, again, going back to those 40 plus days um, uh, or 40 plus hours uh, in which I did not sleep, um, I definitely remember thinking, yo, I'm going to get sick. And sure enough, within a couple of days of having done that, um, and, and again, ladies and gentlemen, this is multiple times, um, you know, 30 plus, 35 plus hours, 36 plus hours of um, no sleep. And there's definitely a pattern that I can recognize <laughs> where I am more susceptible <laughs> to becoming ill. Like if I just shake a person's hand um, and this is pre-COVID, I feel like I was done, you know, having yeah. done that to myself. And but another yeah. example of that is uh, there's been a lot of studies coming out in the past few years about people who received the influenza vaccine and how effective that vaccine is after they sleep. And so they're finding that the influenza vaccine is significantly, significantly more effective in people that got a full night's sleep the night after getting the vaccine than mm. in people who didn't get a full night's sleep up to 50% efficacy, I believe. That um, is So wild. that's kind of crazy. Just the fact I've, with uh, with all the COVID shots, I've been making sure I'm getting a real good night's sleep afterward. Just to make That's sure, you know, we're not entirely sure if uh, if it really does anything, but you might as well if that's something that can impact the efficacy. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the final reason we may need sleep is for mental health, for improved cognitive and mental functioning, better mood, more patience, reduced irritability. Um, and also just problem solving through your dreams. It's almost like a, like a mindfulness kind of thing. Mm. And, you know, there's um, a study and this was actually from uh, the book spark, actually, boy, let me bring that thing up um, really quick. 
Uh, but yeah, this this book actually mentioned a study involving mice, um, ladies and gentlemen. And what was fascinating about it was that they had these mice in a maze and they would run through the maze. They would put food at various spots and the mice would go around, right, running around the maze and find finding the food. Um, and what they found is that when they went to sleep, they saw certain areas of the brain lighting up, especially those areas uh, with memory and spatial uh, recognition. And really what, what the researchers sort of concluded was that in their sleep, the mice were running the maze, right? Where they found a the food, um, they were sort of acting this out in their dreams um, and then would actually perform better um, having slept um, during the experiment, right? And no, in that group that got a little bit more sleep, um, they actually performed better than the mice that did not have that um, privilege to sleep. Uh, and so there are so many, there's just so much evidence that it is something that despite the fact that we don't understand why, right, fully why we have to do this, um, it is something that is important in terms of our functioning, right? Um, it's undeniable, really, just that sleep serves some very important biological functions. Um, and really, I think even just looking at the time itself, right, the amount of time that we need um, for this, it implies that it's something that is critically uh, important. And, and with that said, let's just get into normal sleep really quick. Uh, we're not going to get too heavy in the biology, but it is something that um, I think deserves some attention. And when we talk about normal sleep, we're talking about um, the this REM sleep versus non-REM sleep. Non-REM sleep uh, basically just refers to, or REM refers to rapid eye movements. And non-REM sleep occurs in one through four stages, right? And this is uh, actually very important um, in that non-REM sleep, right? And most restorative sleep, um, this is in the first third of the night, right? That after we fall asleep. So slow wave sleep, which is stages three, four, three and four of non-REM sleep. This is the most restorative. This is that sleep that is going to get you when you wake up, you're feeling like Reed um, after that workout, uh, or at least after that first night where you're like, I feel good. Nothing happened. Um, you know, you got some good sleep. Uh, me, I'm a poor sleeper, actually. So this is probably why I don't often feel very restored. We'll get into that later. Uh, but then you have, no, you're just saying, okay, so I'm not alone for that reason to track <sighs> my sleep, just to see I, how bad of a sleeper I am. I need to do that, but I'm worried that by tracking my sleep, I might give myself more anxiety and end mm. up ruining my sleep even more. So anyway, uh, <laughs> then the pressure to, to get like a real good night's sleep is on. You're like, yeah. Then I'm I really looking at the watch in the middle sleep. of the night, waking up like, oh, how am I doing? Like, no, that's not the, <laughs> that's not the idea. But anyway, REM sleep, right? Um, REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep length increases throughout the night and is longest in the last third of the night. Um, and during these stages, there are numerous physiologic changes, including changes in our brain activity, heart rate, blood pressure, respirations, or our breathing, kidney function, even our body temperature, and even sexual arousal, um, right? All of these things happening throughout these stages. Now, in general, during non-REM sleep, we see a lot of these processes being slowed down, such as a decreased heart rate, decreased blood pressure, blood flow to the brain is decreased, and even the brain activity is decreased. Everything sort of shuts down, right, and becomes um, pretty quiet, silent. But during REM sleep, and this is where there were such breakthroughs in terms of our understanding of sleep and what is happening, right? This regenerative, uh, the regenerative properties of sleep, the 
properties of sleep, right? Where we are actually doing things that are profoundly important for our health. Things are happening during sleep for many years, right? Centuries, sleep was just sort of thought of as just sort of this passive time where nothing happens, right? And why are we spending so much damn time uh, sleeping, right? When this is like nothing is happening in our lives. Um, but during REM sleep, these processes, right? The, the blood pressure, the heart rate, the brain activity, especially the brain activity, we actually see increases, right? Um, in comparison to non-REM sleep. And overall, while we see that brain activity is decreased during REM uh, sleep, there are certain areas of the brain in the motor and sensory areas of the brain, the motor cortex, the sensory cortex, where there is a lot of activity during that REM, that REM sleep. Um, and so with that said, right, this is an active period of that growth. I like to look at it as growth, that neuroplasticity, right? That um, memory, reinforcing those memories that we made throughout the day or what we've learned, um, adapting to new circumstances. Maybe you encountered a problem in a meeting, um, which I know we're all having these Zoom meetings and stuff. We're coming away like, man, scratch my head. I need a solution to whatever was talked about in that thing. Um, and this is where we might come to those solutions, dreaming about um, what happened. And, and this is, you know, a whole new area um, I would love to get into that in a future show, just the importance of dreams or what they mean. Um, but there are some researchers out there that do see this as maybe our way of problem solving um, in our day to day lives. Everything from professional obligations to relational uh, things with family and friends. And so uh, just critically important, even things like um, how I deal with my daughter who is still awake right now. <laughs> Now, <laughs> even during this conversation of sleep and is behind me. What's up, Amani? You want to say hello? Yeah. Say hello real quick. Hi. Hi, Amani. You can't hear me, but hi. And what time is it for you now, Amani? Bedtime. All right. See, she needs sleep. Nice. And especially children, ladies and gentlemen, this is why when we think about sleep in this restorative, regenerative growth mindset, right, how important it is. This is why children, as Reed said at the beginning of the show, they need much more sleep. Um, as they are growing up um, in order to be happy and healthy. And actually, I'll just go through that real quick. So Imani right now, being where she is, and this is, I'm looking at the CDC, ladies and gentlemen, um, they have a site on sleep and sleep disorders and school-age children, three to five years of age or preschool need 10 to 13 hours per 24 hours. You hear that, Imani? 10 to 13 hours. So uh, Imani Selby should be knocked out <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, we had a, a, a different night tonight, unusual, slightly unusual night. So she's still up, but she is going to be knocked out soon. But all in all, ladies and gentlemen, um, I don't, I think that really just makes the case on how important this is and why it is something that we need to, um, prioritize in our lives. And with that said, um, this is in observance, this program, ladies and gentlemen, of World Sleep Day, which is this Friday, March 18th. And uh, this is something that is driven or organized by the World Sleep Society. And this year, their theme is quality sleep, sound mind, happy world, right? This is the theme. And I think it's really appropriate, especially everything that's happened over the last couple of years with covid um, with the economic impact, even with the current situation that we see overseas, um, the conflict with uh, Ukraine and Russia, um, 
I think it's really important that we get our sleep, right? So we can engage our world and, and address these challenges um, before us. But yeah, man, World Sleep Day. And so after <laughs> after this, I got a knockout. Um, went yeah, definitely. Dog. This is the first I've heard about it. So I guess I, I've been sleeping on World Sleep Day. Oh, oh. did you read? I oh, know. He's so good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How come I couldn't do that? No, let me stop. Um, but yeah. It's his talent. Yeah, you're the dad. <laughs> but you know, when we look at uh, sleep disruption, and I think that's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to talk about uh, sleep disruption, right? Um, and really, in terms of getting this, I think we can all recognize how important this is, but there are challenges when we talk about actually, right, getting uh, sleep. And there are risk factors, right, that that sort of lead to us um, having the, this difficulty. And just to put everything into perspective, I'll give you a quick overview of what is happening currently in our country. In 2014, there was a survey conducted by the National Sleep Foundation, and it found that 35% of Americans reported their sleep quality as poor or fair. D- Dr. Selby is definitely in that <laughs> category. Honestly, um, surprised it's not a larger percentage. That's what I was Me saying. Too. That's what I was saying. 45% reported trouble falling asleep at least once per week. 53% had trouble staying asleep at least one night in the previous week. 23% had trouble staying asleep more than five nights out of the week. And 40% of respondents reported snoring. 17% um, had been diagnosed with an actual sleep disorder by a physician. And um, yeah, so I mean, that just, and this is in 2014, right? Pre-COVID, um, and really just before a lot of the challenges that we face today. So I do think um, even then that those numbers were higher and they're probably significantly higher today uh, with everything that is true. Going. Yeah. Yeah. Not man. just that. Um, but, you know, they you know, I feel like a lot of people have heard that uh, scientists recommend that you only use your bed for sleep and for sex um, in order to associate your bed with with sleeping in that state. Um, and I think probably during COVID, a lot of people have, you know, been cooped up in their apartments and living in the city, you know, there's not many places to sit other than your bed. Mm. Uh, so I think that, you know, a lot of people have probably been spending a lot more time in their bed and have been so associating it with doing work in your bed, uh, teaching from your bed, sending emails mm-hmm. from your bed. Um, so that may have impacted sleep as well. Mm. I know it definitely has for me. Um, I can, so- I can attest to all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's hard. Um, we try to separate it, but our bed is so comfortable. Sometimes you just don't <laughs> want to leave it and do other things. Well, I'll um, bring up something later as we go on. But um, yes, Anastasia? No, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into play whenever we look at sleep disruption or sleep deprivation. Um, and one of them is something that we do have some sort of control over, which is our lifestyle choices. Um, if you take excessive caffeine, you're probably not going to be sleeping well or sleeping at all. Um, If you drink alcohol or use substances or depending on when you work, right? So especially in New York City, which is the city that never sleeps, we -hmm. have workers that have a very interesting shift cycle, which might not align with their own um, sleep schedules. Mm -hmm. We also have, if you're a student, (laughs) case in point being me, as I mentioned earlier, do not procrastinate do not procrastinate during final season. Get your sleep like Reed does. Um, and if you've been traveling, whenever I travel, whenever a lot of my family travels, we always get this really bad jet lag. And that definitely 
disrupts our sleep quite often. Um, I didn't so- believe in jet lag until I had gone uh, halfway around the world um, to Asia, Southeast Asia and Taiwan. And I remember, I mean, it was a great flight and stuff. And I was excited to be in there and got off the plane. Uh, met one of my classmates. This was fourth year of medical school. And we were over there for a you know, global health elective. Very excited, trying to speak Mandarin and stuff. It was cool, <laughs> man, eating good food. And I remember, though, for the first two days, like two to three days, where like we would do stuff. But we were like, yo, we got to go back and lay down. <laughs> I never (laughs) felt like that before. I was like, yo, like so exhausted. And I remember for some reason, it took me a minute to think, but I was like, oh, wait, this is jet lag, like real jet lag. Because, you know, I'd flown other places, but it'd be like six hour flight and really wouldn't bother me that much. Um, Just changing a couple of time zones. But halfway across the world, that 12 hour sort of difference. Whoa. Yeah. But anyway. I I had the same issue when I first went to China. So, um, that's definitely something that, you know, you need to take time to adjust to. There are also environmental factors. Um, we do live in New York city New York city can be quite noisy. Um, we do have excessive light exposure too. Um, especially from the skyscrapers, light outside, lights outside. Mm. Um, so if you live close to a train, I'm sorry, Mm. but you have to deal with the noise. Um, but you know, New Yorkers say that it becomes the white noise to sleep after a while, but I can imagine if you're just a person that just moved to New York city, you might have not been used to it yet. There are also physiological reasons that people have sleep disruption, such as if you are a very anxious person, you have anxiety, or if you have a lot of worries. If you're parenting young children, like Dr. Selby right here, hey. <laughs> if you're caring for a loved one with a serious <laughs> or terminal illness. Um, and of course, you know, there are actual uh, physiological reasons as well, such as sleep disorders. If you are, if you have insomnia, if you have obstructive sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, narcolepsy, and uh, circadian rhythm disorders. Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> I always That word always bothers me because I'm like, am I saying it right? Circadian. Uh, yeah. So, you know, having those Don't disorders. Don't lose sleep over it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm messing with that, that was actually a good one. Um, so having those disorders can definitely impact your sleep or actually just disrupt your sleep in the middle of the night a lot. There are also medical conditions. If you have chronic pain, pain can be very difficult to like rest and actually sleep through. Um, If you have restrictive lung disease, cardiovascular disease, chronic kidney disease, diabetes, a A neurodegenerative disease, Mm -hmm. um, a psychiatric disease, or depending on your medications, right? There are some medications that Mm -hmm. say they make make you feel drowsy, and then you'll feel drowsy in the middle of the day and probably take a nap, and that will screw up your whole night's sleep. Or you will have other medications that might complicate things and make it harder for you to sleep. Mm-hmm. True story. Things with stimulant properties, um, you know, all sorts of reasons that um, our sleep can be compromised from medications. But just going back, uh, you know, I, I can attest to the shift work as an emergency physician and how that complicates things with my schedule being in flux. Everything from morning shifts, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., uh, which I'm doing tomorrow. That's why I'm like so anxious about my sleep right now. Um, <laughs> but then overnights, you know, and that flip flop um, in the schedule. And so that is something that um, can definitely uh, affect uh, one's not only the quality of sleep, um, but even lead to sleep disorders. Uh, but then we also think about those environmental causes, um, which can also be a pretty uh, big deal. And dealing with that, right, some of these things out of our control, um, Mm -hmm. as far as 
things like light pollution, being in excessively noisy areas, um, you know, and I think at a worse place to sleep, imagine, I just feel so bad for our patients, not only in our emergency department where I work, but I'm saying all around the country, hospitals probably in general, um, because those are loud, right? You talk about noise pollution, light pollution, like everything is bright, it's loud, all this stuff happening. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, we've definitely been in those crisis situations, especially recently with COVID with patients in the hallways. And so I can't imagine, um, you know, the quality of sleep. Um, yes. what that's like for our patients. Um, but yeah, yeah just so many, those, so many risk factors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Talking about those environmental factors, I think I heard from a friend who quoted some statistics. So this is like a friend of a friend said something, mm-hmm. um, but it was, he was saying that he read that whenever you move, if you move apartments, it takes about two weeks for your sleep schedule to go back to its normal, just because it's not a, an environment that you're familiar sleeping in. You know, your your caveman brain is like, this is a, you know, unfamiliar environment, I got to stay alert in case somebody tries to come and hurt me. Uh, So even just, you know, being in a a foreign environment, even if it's in a hotel room that could have impacts on your sleep. Um, And another thing I wanted to mention was alcohol use. Uh, I personally think I'm pretty sensitive to alcohol. So when I drink, I have like three, four drinks tops, Mm -hmm. but I've been paying attention to my sleep Hey, don't give me that face. That's a good amount, but anyway, it depends <laughs> on how big, I guess. Depends. Two, are you but, drinking two ounces? Or are you drinking eight <laughs> ounces? I don't know. But anyway, long story short, I know. Sorry. For some reason, I've been paying or I've been paying a lot more attention to my sleep lately. I haven't been keeping a journal, but maybe I should. Um, but I've noticed almost every night, without fail, when I drink, I sleep soundly for three hours, maybe, mm-hmm. and then bam, I am wide awake. At like 3 a.m., I can't get back to sleep until like 7. And it seems to happen every time I, I drink, whether it's like two drinks, four drinks, six drinks. Um, yeah, it's I guess maybe that depressive effect is wearing off and while I'm sleeping. Um, but for some reason, alcohol is not good for my sleep. Facts. And, and I don't think it's fully understood why. Um, ladies and gentlemen, um, and I think it, it definitely has something to do with the, as Reed said, the uh, sedative and depressive effects of alcohol. Um, but that is one thing as far as a risk factor for sleep disruption. Um, alcohol is way up there, especially when you drink it close to um, bedtime. Mm-hmm. It can really uh, throw you off. Um, and even if, again, you fall asleep, it won't be restful sleep, right? Because I think everybody thinks of that like, you know, yeah. <laughs> drinking to the point of passing out. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I slept like a, you know, like a pig. Well, no. Um, although you slept for, you know, even if you mm-hmm. didn't have that fragmented sleep, um, it probably wasn't very restful sleep because those sleep stages, as we mentioned, that non-REM and REM sleep, that whole cycle, um, that whole important process becomes disrupted uh, with alcohol and with other substances. So very, very important. And so with that said, what's the big deal, right? Why do we care, right? Some sleep is better than no sleep. Maybe you can argue that. Uh, but when we talk about sleep disruption and sleep deprivation, uh, really, OK, I got to do the fear mongering part of health in Harlem. Right? In that we're killing ourselves. <laughs> right. We're killing. You can say killing them softly. I don't know how you want to put it. <laughs> but, um, you know, we look at that uh, experiment with Randy Gardner. No, he did not drop dead at the end of it. Fortunately, he was 17 um, and slept 14 hours after that and went on about his life uh, in high school. Actually, of note, though. Um, he did report later in life having had um, uh, developed 
uh, insomnia. Yeah. Mm. And some problems sleeping that he thinks is was related to that little experiment that he did for that 11 days. So who knows um, yeah. that really had that effect or changed him. Uh, but one thing, right, we can really look and see that the problem with sleep deprivation is that, right, you're awfully keenly aware of it because you feel like garbage. Um, mm-hmm. And while there are hundreds of sleep disorders, there are three main ways in which sleep disorders become fully manifest. Um, in which we begin to see signs and symptoms, sleep deprivation, right? Which is not getting enough sleep or you're not getting the proper amount or quality sleep going back to the alcohol use, right? You might sleep, but it's not high quality sleep. It's not that rest, restful, um, restorative sleep. Uh, also you get sleep disruption difficulty, which is difficulty maintaining sleep or having fragmentation of sleep. And then finally, finally we have phenomena that occur during sleep, um, or sleep disorders such as sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, narcolepsy, and so on. Now, sleep disruption, we can start there, is associated with increase in sympathetic nervous system function, right? Um, so when we talk about this disruption, right, um, either difficulty maintaining sleep or fragmentation, which is a very common Maurice Selby problem each and every night, if one daughter <laughs> doesn't wake up, um, jumping into our bed or, you know, scared of the dark, which is totally understandable. Um, and I run near to their bedsides. The other one is just waking up and wants milk in the middle of the night, whatever. Um, but that fragmentation of sleep, uh, it has been shown that it can lead to increased levels of catecholamines such as norepinephrine and epinephrine, AKA adrenaline. Um, and this is correlated with fragmented sleep. Chronic persistent insomnia has been found to be associated with increased secretion of adrenocorticotropic hormone, um, something called ACTH, which can lead to increased cortisol release. And that is present right throughout the 24 hour sleep cycle when it should be a hormone that is only present at certain times of the day. All in all, we begin to see right how this can lead to problems in our body systems and functioning, right? Um, when we look at the brain itself, increased activity in the hypothalamic pituitary axis, the metabolic effects throughout the body, the changes in our circadian rhythms, um, even changes in pro-inflammatory responses, we begin to see this um, with sleep deprivation. Um, and even to a smaller scale, when we have right just disrupted sleep, even if it's for a day or a night mm-hmm. that we're having trouble sleeping, Um, or trouble with our sleep, we see these changes in the body. And one thing that has really been shown, and this is why it's so important that we have things like World Sleep Day, we talk about this stuff, uh, is that the body's ability to compensate for these physiologic changes, right? Um, Especially when we talk about chronic sleep deprivation, um, we begin to lose that ability to compensate, right? And then we begin to see changes in our baseline functioning. So insomniacs have been found to have increased brain activity on their EEG. Um, They have abnormal hormone secretion, right? Those um, ACTH and cortisol release, right? Rather than that happening at certain points of the day where you need it most, right? Where you can be in that Zoom meeting uh, doing your thing or working out in a gym uh, or enjoying times with family and friends, that is happening throughout the day at all hours, right? Which is not healthy. Um, there's even been uh, studies showing that they have increased brain activity on EEGs, um, individuals with chronic insomnia, increased metabolic activity, 
um, including increased activity in the uh, sympathetic nervous system throughout the day. And when we think about things like the sympathetic nervous system, um, let's say, right, that is a system that is very important when it comes to our heart rate, right, especially increasing our heart rate, increasing the blood pressure. And we begin to see um, with this dysregulation that individuals are more prone to developing chronic illness, right? Um, and chronic illness in the sense of things like cardiovascular disease, obesity, type 2 diabetes, um, even cancer, right? So long-term effects of sleep deprivation. Now, in the short term, there are consequences as well, um, such as increased stress, uh, somatic problems, so those aches and pains that you can't quite explain or just feeling, you know, not like yourself, tightness in certain areas, um, and then also psychosocial issues. So mm-hmm. mood disorders, anxiety disorders, um, all of these things being manifest, right, with short-term sleep deprivation. Yeah. Have you ever, have you guys ever seen the movie Insomnia? No. It's, uh, I'm so lame. Starring Robin Williams. No, it's a really good movie starring mm. Robin Williams, but, uh, it's not a comedy, surprisingly, you know, for a Robin Williams movie, pretty serious role. Uh, but he plays an investigative detective who I think there's a serial killer on the loose in Alaska. So they fly him to Alaska, but it's the time of year that the sun is up 24 hours a day. Um, so he's on this time crunch trying to find the serial killer, but all the while, you know, he's not getting enough sleep. He's, you know, experiencing paranoia. He is mm-hmm. having auditory hallucinations, all that kind of stuff. So he's suffering with a lot of the side effects of insomnia while he's trying to be able to do this really difficult job. Um, it's a really good movie. You should check it out sometime. I'm R&D. definitely going to check that out. That sounds, and I mean, it's literally speaking to exactly um, what we're talking about, right? That paranoia increased that heightened level of alertness. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's even uh, this phenomenon where individuals, and this is one thing I'm hoping that we don't uh, impart this to you all, ladies and gentlemen, in talking about this topic. Um, we do want you to be aware, but we don't want you freaking out about this, but just having anxiety over your sleep. And I definitely remember those times where I'm like, okay, I got work, you know, 7 a.m. I got to be up at 530. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I need to go to sleep now. And then I'm sitting there in the dark fretting about getting to sleep. Um, I think that's something that has uh, been experienced by many. Um, and so, you know, it's very, very difficult, man, to really um, strike that balance. Yeah. But one, I think it's just really important to understand the consequence, consequences of like sleep, especially um, depending on what we do in our day-to-day lives. And this is something that has been, at least not recently, Um, but in the past, right. When we talk about how medicine was practiced, um, sleep was not really high on a totem pole in terms of, uh, that whole physician heal thyself, (laughs) you know, portion of the Hippocratic oath. Um, that was something that was way down on the list of priorities when it came to taking care of oneself as a medical practitioner. I think that is something that is way down on the list of priorities. when we talk about, um, you know, how things are in corporate America or in really any industry for that matter, right? Um, Taking care of your client or your customer first, regardless of the hours, especially in the age of email and cell phones. um, We're on that 24 hour cycle, news cycle, 24 hour work Mm -hmm. cycle, email cycle, whatever. Um, And not just that, you might be working with, you might be working with people in Europe. So, you know, you have that time difference and they're emailing you at 
4 a.m. and expecting you to respond to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's man. a lot uh, of other things as well. Like, I love how we touched up upon all of the um, chronic conditions you might develop as a constant, mm-hmm. as someone who constantly gets disruptive sleep or doesn't sleep at all. Um, but there's also one thing that we touched upon how we have this um, situation in our environment with work and everything. But there's another thing too. Like, if you're sleep deprived and you drive, that's also not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has been shown that after a certain amount of hours, um, that it's the same thing as if you're driving drunk. Mm-hmm. So yes. you, you even commuting to do and, uh, daily and functions is also a way that you can also harm yourself and others with, um, not being, not getting enough sleep. That's correct. That's absolutely true. Yep. So it's not even just right. The, the physiologic uh, manifestations or the physiologic changes that can increase our risk of developing chronic diseases. Um, but then we talk about accidents in this country, especially motor vehicle accidents. Um, when we look at fatal accidents in this country, there's a pretty high percentage um, in which when they go back right and investigating these accidents, they find it right. Sleep deprivation played a big part. Um, and this is especially even with truckers, right? This is something that um, just recently with that whole protest in Ottawa, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, <laughs> you know, in terms of the um, work of truckers in this country and around the world, um, getting paid much less, working these really long hours um, and essentially sleep deprived. And that was just the, the last thing it was, you know, it really their safety is compromised and everybody else on the road. Um, and that was uh, aside from the vaccine mandates, those are one of the, some of the things that they actually brought up um, their working conditions and how that impacted their sleep and performance. So what do we do about this? This is the hopeful part, ladies and gentlemen, there is hope. And that's one thing we always stress on this program. We've tackled the problem. We've talked about it and raised that awareness. And now it is important to discuss um, really what what can we do? Um, about this problem. And so there's yeah, a book. And, uh, yeah. the, Sorry. the problems associated with sleep are, are super complex, but honestly, the, our tips for, for getting a good night's sleep, pretty easy. I'm with you on that. And it, I'm going to start with just saying, um, this is in the words of Samuel L. Jackson. Actually, um, I do have to go back and uh, give the author of this book credit it is called, I think all parents probably know this book. Um, man, I'm like thinking, should I use Adam Mansbach is the, and it's illustrated by Ricardo Cortez. Yeah. I, I don't know. Should I, should I say the title though? Go, I'm going to just say go to, I don't F think it's, week. it's radius. Yeah. <laughs> PG. We'll it's keep it radius. PG. Um, or I'll just bleep it out. But anyway, go to F to sleep. And this is uh, in the words of Samuel L. Jackson. They actually had a reading. You can check it out on YouTube um, in which Samuel L. Jackson actually reads that um, <laughs> sort of as a bedtime story. And this is hysterical. <laughs> but I think every parent out there probably <laughs> definitely loves this book. Everybody always raves about it. Um, but, yeah, that's what we need to do. y'all. We need to go the F to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um and so just some easy things. You want to take us through that, Reed? Some of the easy sure, things yeah. we can do. Um, so number one, consistency is key. You know, the, the human body and the human brain loves a good routine. 
And if you do it for long enough, you know, it'll, it'll feel very natural and it'll waking up will, will almost feel effortless. Uh, but the key to this is to go to bed and wake up at the exact same times each day, even on the weekends, you know, it's okay to sleep in a little bit, but honestly, I've been doing that. I got myself these smart lights and I can automate them to fade mm-hmm. on in the morning. So I think from like 6.45 a.m. to 7.15, my lights slowly start fading on. That's By 7.15, so... they're full on, right? Half the time, I don't even wake up to my alarm. I don't even need it. I just wake up nice and slowly. And then uh, at, at 10 o'clock, at 10 p.m., I have my lights automated to switch from a warm light to a red light because that's getting my brain prepped to go to bed. And it's also a little reminder, hey, Reed, it's 10 o'clock. You've been sitting here watching TV. Maybe get up, brush your teeth, get ready for bed, you know, in case you fall asleep on your couch. You don't wake up at 3 a.m. and feel gross. That's a pro tip. Thank you, Reed. Thank yeah, you. I love, to, I love my smart lights. I'm going <laughs> to steal that one. I'll tell you my favorite. My favorite is making the bedroom quiet, dark, relaxing, and a comfortable temperature. And I'll tell you why this came up because when I saw this, I was like, I got to take this one because recently I'm going to put Christine on blast um, because <laughs> she was like, you know, we, we just moved into a house, ladies and gentlemen, a new house and we're getting set up and planning things out and stuff. And she's like, you know, you got that baby how, monitor on your yeah, nightstand. Yeah. Oh God, that talk about fragmented sleep. But anyway, she's like, you know, and I think we should get a TV for the bedroom. And at first I was thinking, I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of see. And then I was now thinking about it after doing all the, the prep for the show. And I was like, oh, hell no. I was like, yo. <laughs> um, now, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, I had not had a TV in my bedroom since I was a teenager. Um, we are talking, yeah, a very long time ago. And I've actually been very happy for that, um, especially when it comes time to uh, going to sleep. Um, but yeah, that is critically important in making that bedroom quiet, dark, relaxing, and a comfortable temperature. And I guess it's do a good not, segue to the next one. Mm-hmm. Do not undermine the importance of a good mattress. Mm-hmm. My sister recently mm-hmm. moved to Amsterdam um, because she's doing her master's there and she suffered. She had a really bad mattress in the beginning mm-hmm. and she could not sleep at all. She was calling me. She's like, I can't sleep. And every two hours I would, I would like, she would text me. And mind you, I'm like, it's 3 a.m. Why aren't you sleeping? Yeah. Tell me, I just can't. So, you know, although mattresses can be quite expensive, if you can find some sort of way to make your mattress more comfortable. Yes. Um, it's an investment, though. It's an it it's is. a worthy investment. And I can testify to that as well. Um, having slept on a mattress, I'm embarrassed to say this, for more than 10 years. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a good investment from a, a sleep quality standpoint. Right, because sometimes you can get a full night's of sleep and still wake up feeling exhausted because mm-hmm. it wasn't a good sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was my tidbit for the bedroom. I don't know about the TV. Maybe if you can control yourself, like read and turn off the TV at when the red light comes on, maybe you can get away with the TV in the bedroom. <laughs> nah, man. But so the mattress, you can't compromise on that. So I do have a weakness. Okay, TV is out, but phones, tablets, computers, all of those things are in the bedroom still, right? And those things. Um, in terms of sleep hygiene, ladies and gentlemen, removing those electronics, uh, those electronic devices from the bedroom will serve you very well um, in terms of right, yeah. um, really ingraining these habits and being able to follow mm-hmm. through 
on them. And one thing that's been documented um, pretty well is that light sensitivity. We have this thing in our brains, the suprachiasmatic nucleus located in the hypothalamus, very sensitive to light. And that's what revs our body up. That's what tells our body, hey, it's time to wake up. It's time to get going. Um, right. And yeah, and that's especially is the sensitive. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's especially sensitive to blue wavelengths of light, um, mm. which is why like a lot of technology now has blue light filters uh, that comes on, you know, in the evening uh, because that blue light tricks your brain into thinking, hey, it's daytime. You got to be awake, uh, which is part of why I have my lights switched to red at 10 o'clock. That is dope. Pro I have tip. an app called, um, not an app, but an, it's an app, I guess you can download on your MacBook and stuff. It's called Flux and it mimics like candlelight. So I set it mm. so that when there's a certain time, it does, gives me a nice yellow glow. So it, it, the, the, all the blue, harsh light and the white, bright light mm-hmm. is gone completely. And it, you know, kind of tells me, you should start getting to bed. Do I listen to it? Not all the time. Um, but it's there to help me. At least my eyes also won't hurt either. Because the, the last thing you want is going to sleep with like dry eyes and your eyes not feeling mm. that great from looking at a bright screen. Um, so that's also another tip. If you're someone mm. that doesn't like the brightness, it's called Flux. It's F-F-L-U-X, I think. Yes. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are in no way related to these uh, companies, the lights that Reed uses um, or Flux. Um, but those are links that we can incorporate into the show notes for you yeah. all so that you can. And there, there's so many there's, products. After yeah, there's so many things. Good but, night's sleep. There's, there's masks with LED lights underneath them to trick you while you're dreaming into lucid dreaming. Like... There's all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. There's there's dream white noise machines. Uh, yeah, so definitely if you're having a difficult time uh, sleeping, you know, look around and see maybe some of these gadgets would be helpful to you. Word. Now, this is another Maurice Donovan, classic <laughs> Maurice Donovan Selby mistake. <laughs> um, avoid large meals, which I think I've been good with. I'll eat like a snack before bedtime, but mm. I used to gorge myself on like a Philly cheesesteak and then just knock out and wonder why <laughs> I was like tossing and yeah. turning or waking up, you know, having to go to the bathroom. Um, and so, yeah, we want to minimize that caffeine. I think that's a no brainer minimizing caffeine intake close to bedtime. Actually, um, you know, some recommendations saying we're talking hours and hours before going to bed, right? In excess of six hours, seven, eight hours, you should be uh, trying to refrain from having caffeine intake. And then also, as we have been talking about alcohol before bedtime, that is a no-no, can severely uh, affect your sleep cycle, um, your sleep process. I got to drink my alcohol in the morning. Drink it in the morning. Or if you're going to drink it, limit it to one drink, um, not the three, how much would Reed was drinking three 12-ounce glasses of whatever. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Reed is binging before bed. But anyway, (laughs) Um, and then finally exercise, we talk about that each and every week, ladies and gentlemen, I think we find, I think this is a good, like, uh, good, um, how can I put it? What do they call that in a story? The, oh my God, I'm an English major and I can't think of it, but anyway, a motif, right? (laughs) On health in Harlem, Mm, like each and every week we will get in exercise, the importance of physical activity, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this has been shown time and again, each and every study that looks at it. Um, it is so clutch. It is so good for sleep um, in terms of improving your sleep quality, your ability to fall asleep. Um, yeah, just in so many ways, physical activity is a must that we must have up there. 
when we talk about mm-hmm. sleep health and sleep hygiene. All right. And then, yeah. And also yeah. experiment with uh, exercising at different times of the day, see what works mm-hmm. best for you. I know some people like to do it in the morning, um, but there's also studies finding that exercising has a greater effect on your metabolism if you do it in the evening. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. finagle, like try around, play around with different things and see what works best for you. Everybody is different, especially when yes. it comes to sleep. But there are some studies, just to be mindful of it, my, some studies saying don't do it too close to bedtime. Now, I do know mm-hmm. people that say, like Reed said, right, find what works for you. Because some people are like, hey, I'll do this, you know, quick routine and I'm out. Fine. Yeah. But just be wary that um, too close to bedtime for many people that might do the opposite for you. Definitely. Um, but yeah. And overall, this mm-hmm. is not this is not a recommended thing. But uh, at my old coffee shop, I had a customer one time who came in like 6 p.m. and got four shots in a iced Americano. And I was like, are you good, man? Like yeah. you got a big project to work on or something. And he was like, no, I do this every day. Uh, I, I have ADHD and I find the caffeine actually calms me down and helps me yeah. go to sleep. In the evening. And I was like, hey, never thought about that. But to that each- was pretty interesting. To each their I own. I wouldn't recommend it, but I wouldn't. Yeah, not for me personally. I'll be up, but to each their own. We always say that on the on the show too. Uh, to each their own. Now, if all else has failed, right, and and we do know, I think uh, one thing that has been emerging um, in recent in the last few decades, um, just a lot of information, a lot being learned about sleep. I mean, the importance of it, right? How we can improve our sleep, especially through. Uh, some of the sleep hygiene tips that we just talked about, but then there are real um, and problematic sleep disorders, ladies and gentlemen. We mentioned some of them. We are not going to talk about them extensively because each of these conditions actually deserve their own show um, because mm-hmm. they're that that you know um, complex and serious. Um, but if it really comes down to, and you're really having a lot of difficulty um, with sleep disruption or with sleep deprivation, um, I highly recommend seeing a sleep medicine practitioner, a physician, or a specialist, um, somebody that will give you a proper evaluation, right? Um, including a history, right? Talking to you about what's going on, do examining you very well, detailed social history, talking about everything that we've kind of got into, um, including physical activity, your intake of caffeine, alcohol, all of that stuff, very detailed, um, And this way they can really hone in on what is causing your disturbance um, when it comes to sleep. And they might even suggest possible testing, including a home sleep apnea test, a polysomnogram that is basically looking at your uh, basically the quality of your sleep. Right. Like how you are actually sleeping. Actigraphy, looking at your movement and activity throughout the day, a morning wakeful, um, a morning wakefulness test, which measures how alert you are during the day. Um, aka an MWT, an MSLT, or multiple sleep latency test. This evaluates for excessive daytime sleepiness by measuring how long it takes for one to go to sleep. So all of these tests, what I'm saying here is that by seeing a professional, right, they can really hone in on what is going on and, and possibly make some recommendations um, and yeah, provide you really therapy. Really personalize so, that, that approach to, to sleep like we were talking about. It's so, so important. Um, and that's it. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to let y'all go, man, because <laughs> in the interest of time, we all got to knock out for real, for real. We're going to have to talk about this. And the takeaway for this online. is, hey, 
go to sleep. We're gonna so go that's to, what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to F to sleep. That's what we're gonna <laughs> do. Like Imani just did. Thank God Christina got her and she's going to F to sleep. I'm gonna go to F to sleep. Y'all are gonna go. But anyway, that's that's what needs to happen, ladies and gentlemen. So let's celebrate World Sleep Day, March 18th, by getting a head start. We're gonna get some good sleep uh tonight. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we thank y'all for tuning into the program. We cannot say that enough how thankful we are for you and for staying with us i know we took a little break but um thank you for listening and we also thank you in advance for sharing whatever you learned on this program i also want to thank anastasia and reed for jumping in and um, giving up a little bit of their sleep to be on here sharing this information with you all i want to thank the rest of the health and harlem team out there shout out to um, everybody on our squad and also i want to shout out whcr and the leaders at the helm, Angela Harden, the general manager, and Tina Dixon, the production manager, um, and really just thank them, thank them for the work that they do in keeping WHCR going. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas. Harlem, take care of yourself. <laughs>